0: On this episode of Trading Camp, Noah and I cover four key trading topics. We begin by discussing the current market environment before sharing tips on how to handle an account drawdown. We then discuss why constantly checking your P&L can be negatively impacting your trading and then uncover some of the common mistakes traders make when it comes to technical analysis. This episode is brought to you by Rocket Scooter, the next generation of trading tools that will replace everything you know about trading. Built by engineers for the retail trader, Rocket Scooter's revolutionary algorithm is the first of its kind. It uncovers institutional positions and reveals market maker risk and hedging in real time using their AI scanner and algorithmic charting. Rocket Scooter has invented 15 unique indicators that predict high volume before it happens, allowing you to visualize price levels where big money is most interested. There's nothing like it. To see how Rocket Scooter is changing the game for retail traders, check out their three-month pro trial. Right now, they are offering three months of Rocket Scooter Pro for only $35 a month, knocked down from the original price of $179 a month. Take advantage of this monster deal by heading over to the link in the show notes and get started using Rocket Scooter today.
1: Trading Camp has partnered with Elite Trader Funding, a proprietary trading firm focused on giving traders the opportunity to profit from the markets without risking their own capital. ETF offers a range of evaluations which test your abilities as a trader. When you pass, you'll be able to choose from funded accounts ranging from $10,000 to $300,000. The only risk is a monthly flat fee. The ETF community provides an excellent learning environment and networking opportunities for those serious about taking their game to the next level. We are excited to offer our listeners 30% off of any trading evaluation on ETF's site except for Fast Track.
0: It's so hard for me to sit back here in this studio looking at a guy out here hollering my name. When last year I spent more money on spilled liquor in bars from one side of this world to the other than you made. You're talking to the Rolex wearing (laughs) diamond ring, wearing kiss stealing, wheel of dealing, living thing right, Jack. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to TCP episode 86 about to get underway. Noah and I back for another solo pod. We're going to be covering several topics on today's episode that we think are really going to help you guys in your trading, going to do some psychology stuff, as well as do our best to give out some alpha. Noah, what's going on, brother? How you doing?
1: Hi, uh, Hydra. What's going on? Good to be back on the pod. I know that we had um, somebody take my seat last week. I hope Rocky did a good job for all of you guys co-hosting his first episode of TCP. I listened and he did a great job, but I'm good to be back and uh let's get after it. We got a lot to talk about.
0: All right, let's do it. Take it away. Introduce our first topic, please.
1: Yeah, for sure. Let's go ahead and just cover I guess the uh the recent market, right? We can start there. Particularly as we come in now to the end of August, I think that it'll be a good a good time to sort of review where we've come from and where we've been right and so 2023 really has been characterized um by that aggressive rally that we had into the summer, right? Like, I feel like that was really the defining moment, at least of the market so far Um, this year, where you had the S&P 500 basically rally from like 4,000 all the way up to like 4,400. And if you remember, like during that time, as we were actively trading it intraday, um, it almost seemed like Groundhog's Day. Like you would wake up, the market would sort of present you a nice long opportunity, you would get long and the market would run throughout the day, maybe even into the next day, you could hold your trades for um, days, weeks at a time, and, uh, we were just getting like really, really smooth price action, right? And then drop the shoe into August. We talked about this, you know, on Twitter, on the, on beat the bell and discord throughout, you know, much of July, how August seasonally tends to be a bit of a slower month, a bit of tro- a, bit of a, um, of a choppier month. And so just to be on watch for that and what happens literally July 29th, um, the last trading day before August marks that high in the S&P 500 and we start trading lower. Um, which we basically have been throughout the entire month of August until the last couple of weeks or until the last couple of days rather where we've gotten this really nice rally off the lows um, following Jackson Hole So, so really since Monday this has been like the first sustained sort of Push of price action that we've seen throughout the entire month. So the month has been a lot more choppy, right, than we've seen in 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 the in, the, uh, in some previous months and some previous uh, price action. So what I really want to talk about today is how you can sort of shift that mindset and what that process looks like for people who trade intraday. Um, What that process looks like of shifting your mindset from, okay, we're in a, a very easy trend to trade. We're in a, a certain type of market environment and maybe that shifts um, in front of your face, right? What do you do without giving back too much gains? How are you able to sort of, um, I guess, self-correct for the current market environment that we're in? Um, And so that's what I wanted to cover a little bit today. And so I'll actually pose that question to you, Alejandro, since I know that that's something that, you know, you and I have talked about a lot is where the market is presenting you with one thing over and over and over again, you get into that sort of groove, you get into that sink in the market, and you're really just in the zone, you're trading in the zone, right? And then the market suddenly shifts. We have um, whether it's a, a seasonality thing or just like a quarterly shift, like we've talked about in the past. But things just change, right? How do you sort of adapt your mindset and your and your approach to the market when that when something like that uh, happens to you?
0: So the proper mindset to have is first recognizing that market shifts and regime changes occur often, and for traders, when things do change, for your system to maybe go through a few bumps or maybe your P&L starts to flatten out or you're not making as much money, et cetera, that is completely normal. And from a mentality standpoint, it's super important to recognize that if one thing is working for so long, normally this happens where, you know, you're trading a certain way for a few months at a time and it's really, really working well. Um, You know, as you mentioned, the rally that we saw from March into July extremely strong uptrend and there was a pretty consistent and easy way to make money along the way, right? If Especially, you know, later into, uh, as we were getting into July and traders started to recognize, okay, we're in an uptrending bull market, people kind of shifted their strategies and they're just finding ways to take advantage of what was an extremely strong trend. But then out of nowhere in August, things changed. And as a trader, you have to be able to recognize the fact that, okay, If things change and I'm no longer profiting the way that I was profiting during the run-up or I'm just struggling, maybe I'm trading flat after having a really good stretch, that's completely normal. But what I think is very important is that you don't abandon your system or strategy. Instead, you make those necessary tweaks in order to remain in the game, get your footing again, and quite honestly, just size down, right? Just size down. As soon as things change, when I come into the market every day, I want to be confident in what I'm seeing in my plan. If I'm not, if things are changing more quickly than my system uh, can change with it, and I'm noticing that I'm just not trading A+, then I'm simply going to size down, get a better feel for the market. Maybe there's some different setups that I should be looking at. Maybe there was a setup that was working all through March through July that was, you know, My bread and butter that all of a sudden stopped working. It's important not to panic, but take those precautionary steps to, of course, preserve your capital under the assumption that you were able to do really well during the run up. You know, obviously, we're talking about if you were profiting and then things change, and all of a sudden you're like, why am I not profiting anymore? Take the necessary steps to protect your capital. That's obviously number one. And then you can look to find, you know, different ways to take advantage of the new market, right? But doing this thing where you completely panic and the market starts going down and those setups that you were trading are no longer working and you start shitting the bed, losing a bunch of money and giving back a ton of gains. There's no excuse for that, quite honestly. It's so normal. As I mentioned, the first thing I start off by saying is it is normal to give back gains when the market starts to change. That's the market teaching you something. Okay. Okay so sit back, learn, process the information and then figure out what is going to work. None of this, you know, oh, I just gave back 3 months of gains because I got pissed off that I started losing money and oh, the market is so hard now. That is what separates the professional traders from the, you know, 95% of traders who are the losing retail traders. It's those mental roadblocks that you hit where you may not like it, but that's perfectly normal. Um, that super smooth PNL curve where everything, uh, you know, is just on a steep, steep exponential uptrend, very, very hard to achieve. And so understanding that going through those bumps in the road, just got to be able to handle that. Just don't freak out. Don't panic and trade small. Definitely trade small if you're going through a stretch like that.
1: Yeah. I would say the, when I sort of brought this question up to myself and I wrote down some of the things that I think about you know, when we're going through those sort of shifts in the market and regime changes, and, and it's important that you mentioned, too, that it's like you, you got to take a step back and take a bigger picture. Because even right now, you look at the, the situation that we're talking about, right? You had an aggressive rally from March to more or less July. You start to pull back in August. August is basically done at this point And we're still, I think, after this rally that we've had this week, I think that we're really only, what, 100 points off the high in es right for all of the for all of the hand-wringing and commotion that you saw on twitter about how the market is going to crash and you know this is this is it and you know we're literally only a, we've basically eaten up the entire the entirety of this sell-off basically we've, we've rallied all the way back to more or less the highs of the of the uh, of the year here in the last in just the last four days um but going back to what you said, uh, sizing down A is the first thing literally that I wrote down when I, when I brought this question up to myself, right? When you see that you're having a uh, a change in the market and you see that maybe what you were using, um, in the past that was successful is no longer working. I would say that for me that I put that limit at, um, three or four, um, trades. So like if I have a setup that I see consistently working over a period of time, um, if I have, um, if I have a situation where I try that setup and maybe two, three, four times in a row, it doesn't work. It's like, wait a minute, maybe something has changed. Maybe let me size down and let me go back to the drawing board. Not necessarily scrapping my strategy and starting from scratch, but just going back and looking at um, what exactly is going on here? Is this something that um is just is part of my system and I just have to endure it while this market face sort of works itself out? Or is there a change that I need to make within the system itself? I think that it's important to take that step first as opposed to just what I think most people do is well, I lost two, three, four times in a row, This strategy doesn't work, let me throw it out, find a new one, right? It's like it's gotten you this far, maybe it does work, maybe it's just not right for this time this market environment. Maybe you should size down until conditions are now conducive for you to, again, put your foot on the gas and use that strategy. So I, I agree with you 100% there. And the secondly, sort of going into um, what I was what I was talking about there a little bit is also like the, the length of your back test when you're looking at your system, I think is extremely important too, right? Is that if you're somebody who does, think of somebody who does just barely more than the bare minimum, right? The bare minimum in terms of if, if you want to be a trader, right? You've got to at least, you know, Spend an hour a day on the charts, right? Looking at um, just getting comfortable with the price action, getting yourself familiar with how the market moves and things like that, right? And then the person who does maybe one step above that is going to say, you know what, that's what everybody else is doing. I'm going to spend two hours, but I'm also going to go back historically. I'm going to look at price action. I'm going to see if I can identify patterns and then ultimately bring those patterns forward and use those patterns as my my model, my system, whatever going forward, right? And that's a really intuitive way to think. And that's honestly a, a, a great starting point. But I think what happens is if you do that over a finite period of time, let's say you go back a week, two weeks, three weeks, and you see a setup that shows up, you know, Two, three times a week and you're like, wow, this is a great setup. I might as well just implement this moving forward, right? It has a hundred percent win rate over the last two, three weeks. I mean, this thing is, this thing is a money glitch. I might as well just keep using it, right? And what happens is the market shifts and that immediately goes out of the window. And because if you don't backtest your strategy over a long enough period of time, if you're only backtesting it in a certain market condition, you can be led to believe that your system has a higher um, maybe strike rate or accuracy rate or win rate, or whatever it may be, than it actually does. Maybe that success that you were having or the perceived success through your backtest was really just a product of the environment that we were in and the conditions of the market as opposed to... You know, a solid risk-to-reward, um, completely unbiased, you know, really technical approach to the market that that takes into account all different types of uh, market conditions, all different types of scenarios. Um, I think that's really important too, because if you don't go back enough, I do think that you can fall into that trap, which is like a, a false sense of confidence in a system that maybe doesn't work and it's not tried and true throughout you know, a bunch of different um, market
0: cycles. Absolutely. Another point I want to make here in thinking about what happens to a trader when the market is shifting underneath your feet and you're not able to adjust quickly enough. I want to talk about day trading versus swing trading. So there's obviously longer term trading. Um, For me, I consider myself a day trader. So anytime I enter a trade, the goal is to make money that day or to be in the trade for a day. If I have runners, I'm obviously more than willing to swing the position uh, risk free, but why i believe that day trading at least for me personally is advantageous is because every day i get a blank slate and for longer term traders for swing traders if you're listening to this and you've been swing trading for the first half of the year and you were just going long and everything was working really nicely and now we're seeing some more bi-directional volatility and you've been getting trapped and things have been getting more difficult you have to understand that that is part of the game that you're playing i personally decided to take myself out of that game uh, because that doesn't work with my personality as a day trader i have the goal of coming into the market every single day extracting a piece and making money daily that helps me to sleep at night that helps me to understand if i have one bad day i can reset assess what what needs to be changed come into the next day blank slate and try to do it over again. Whereas swing trading, I feel puts me in a position where maybe I have to hold a position that's in the red for longer than I'm comfortable with. Because those are the things that you have to do when you're swing trading. You have to be very confident in your setup. You may be sitting in a position that's red for an extended period of time, you know, weeks, even months, depending on your timeline, uh, in order to just let it sort of play out. While I don't necessarily, it's not necessarily that I don't have the patience to do that, I just prefer to trade in a manner that brings me a steady income right so that's just going into the day blank slate again trying to extract the piece and making money daily obviously there's red days along the way but i know that you know i can make those adjustments on the fly so if you're using a certain strategy and when things start to go south you begin to panic it's very likely that it's not necessarily your strategy or your trade management system, it very well could be, but a lot of it can be your personality as a trader. If you panic during those periods of swing trading where you're red for a week straight, uh, red for a month, you're red for three months in a row, then maybe swing trading isn't for you because that's the type of drawdown, that's the type of account volatility that you have to be able to withstand when you're swing trading, right? So just kind of food for thought there. If you don't like that, if you rather just you know see your account start at zero every day, maybe day trading is a more effective method. To your point, I mean
1: it. It's interesting too because as a as a swing trader, I feel like you're almost coming into it at an advantage because I think that to be a successful uh, successful swing trader, you have to focus on what i was talking about before about how you know maybe you haven't backtested your your system over enough like different market conditions i feel like as a swing trader you're almost forced to do that because even in your backtesting you're looking at trades that took a month to play out took two weeks to play out whatever and so you're you almost have that advantage where it's like in my backtesting in creating my strategy i had to ultimately find something that worked, not just in this short period of time where the market was ripping off of some economic data, not in this short period of time where Jerome Powell said X, Y, and Z and the market dropped 500 points, right? Like, Because in those situations, it really doesn't matter what you're using. If you shorted the market, you made money. If you long the market while it's ripping, you made money, right? It's like the, it, it, no system can predict that Jerome Powell is going to say X, Y, and Z during a Fed meeting, right? At the same time, though, if you're if you're a swing trader, I think that it almost forces you to look a little bit beyond um, what has recently happened and just taking that as okay, here's my roadmap going forward, right? Because I think that you can um, that's a harder trap to fall into as a swing trader, especially um, you know an experienced swing trader. You'll know that you know over time, ultimately the market's going to go through different phases, and if you're going to try and be a swing trader, you have to. Um, have a strategy. You definitely have to have a strategy that's going to withstand those, um, those times. Because as Alejandro said, if you're a day trader and even if you make that mistake of, of just using the recent analysis to basically say, here's what's going to happen going forward and just sort of implementing a strategy that has worked over the last three weeks. Like I talked about at the beginning of the, of the episode, if that doesn't work two, three, four times, you can actually take a step back and say, okay, well, maybe that's no longer working and sort of pivot quicker, right? Whereas a, a swing trader, the feedback is not as immediate. And so it's not necessarily as clear to you well. You know, is this a product of how the market is trading right now? Is this a product of my strategy? Um, so I think, you know, in being a swing trader, you are blessed with that sort of being forced to look back, but it's also, um, a bit of a curse because that, that feedback is not as responsive. And I, I, completely agree with you where it's like that becomes a personality thing at the end of the day. Um, I saw something on Twitter the other day that was, uh, have you seen, uh, have you seen Kung Fu Panda?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: You remember it? I, at the end of, uh, Kung Fu Panda? when uh the tiger who's the bad guy like he was like trying to get the the scroll and he opens the scroll and there's nothing in it it's just it's just like a blank scroll and the uh poe the panda he's like that's the secret like the secret is you you know like that that's the whole point is like the secret is the that's that's it it's just you um I saw something on Twitter where was like that is ultimately like what trading is. It's like, you know, you can go through a million years of market data and back test X, Y, and Z and, you know, study your ass off, watch all these YouTube videos, do whatever you want. But at the end of the day, if you're unable to conquer your mind, yourself, your impulses, your emotions, none of that is really going to matter, right? None of that is really going to have an impact. Um, Ultimately, that's the final boss, right? Like that's the person that you have to beat if you want to be successful, is you and I think that relatively, when you put them together, the other, the others, the other parts of being a trader, whether that's studying on the weekends or whether that's you know the emotions of going through drawdown or whatever it is, I think that those things are actually the technical aspect of it is actually probably the easier part. Where um, you know the mastering of yourself and the mastering of your emotions and your mentality is definitely the the longer part of the journey. And I think that as a trader, once you start focusing on that part of the journey, I think that that's where your curve really starts to increase exponentially, in my opinion. Like, I don't think that you can learn one technical trick that's gonna help increase your P&L exponentially, right? I think that that's really the only thing that's gonna help, that's gonna put you, um, you know, increase your success by an order of magnitude is really, you know, conquering yourself in your mind. I think ultimately that's that's the battle. Ultimately,
0: the that's the dragon scroll right there to you. Hey Noah, what do moving averages, RSI, and MACD all have in common?
1: They're all lagging indicators from the 70s with weak ability to predict future price action.
0: Exactly. Modern retail traders need modern trading tools. That's why we've partnered with Rocket Scooter, an artificial intelligence and algorithmic charting tool that predicts where high volume will occur before it happens.
1: That's right. Rocket Scooter's 15 unique indicators help visualize in real time where institutional players are interested on almost any stock and gives you a clear-cut game plan for how to take advantage of the underlying mechanics of the market.
0: A platform like that probably costs a ton of money.
1: Right now, they're offering three months of Rocket Scooter Pro for only $35 a month, knocked down from the original price of $179 a month. Take advantage of this monster deal by heading over to the link in the show notes and getting started using Rocket Scooter today.
0: So this brings us into our next topic, correct? On how to handle drawdown. Mm -hmm. So let's just make the transition here. So the next thing that we want to talk about is handling drawdown. And to Noah's point, that's 99% mental. The drawdown is 99% mental. And that's why 99% of people are unsuccessful when it comes to trading because of how difficult it is. The first thing that I'll say, nobody on earth should ever tell you that, you know, the drawdown is normal and it's okay and you should just be like fine. And you should just, you know, keep on going and you're going to be all right. While it is normal, those feelings of being pissed off, of being upset, of being frustrated, all this emotion and rage that, you're likely to feel when you're going through an account drawdown or after a big red day that is normal and everybody experiences that. So, I really don't like when people are like, yeah, you know, you just have to be able to like wear those red days and get on to the next one. While it's true, let's not play it down to be like some easy thing. Now, if it were easy, a lot more people would be Successful traders. At the end of the day, it's up to you. There are there are moments in your career, in your trading career, in a trading day, where you have decisions to make. Those decisions are going to impact your longevity in this game. Whether your goal is to do this as a career, whether your goal is to generate side income and you know maybe you can pay off a few bills every month trading is much less about making money right now and much more about how long can you stick around and remain in this game from when we first started this podcast we have seen traders drop like flies as soon as the market got tough in 2022 people were blowing up their accounts they couldn't withstand the drawdowns. Maybe not you know, from a capital uh, perspective, but from a mental capital perspective. And what I tell myself anytime I have a red day or I go through an account drawdown, I think about playing the long game. And I think about how longevity is my biggest ally. Time is my biggest friend. It's one of those things where... If you trade for 20, think about it this way. If you trade for 15, 20 years straight, do you think you're eventually going to figure it out? The answer is yes, but you're never going to get yourself to that point if every time you have a red day, you blow up and you lose 50% of your account. You're never going to get to that point if you get so overly frustrated when you have a red day that you go on a two-week losing streak. So- Feel those emotions. Feel that rage. Whenever you're pissed off, whenever you have a losing trade, maybe you hit two losing trades in a row, feel that rage and channel that. Channel that to go do the work that needs to be done in order to get better. Go do your studying, work on yourself, whether you have to meditate, whether you have to go for a run, whether you want to go to the gym, channel that and understand that it's part of the process, but do not let it defeat you. I'm not going to sit here and tell people that, you know, you should be able to lose a shit ton of money in a single day and just be like, okay with it. No, like get pissed off, get pissed off, but channel that and don't let it translate into the other things that you start to do. Don't, you know, start to revenge trade. Don't be an idiot. Like don't size up trying to make it back. Those are the decisions that are very, very much in your control. If you already lost those emotions What you start to feel, to a point, it's almost out of your control. But your decision-making after that, you have to be able to lock in. You have to be able to lock in. I'll give a personal example. Last week, I hit uh, my max daily drawdown for the first time in, I want to say, three months.
1: Highly impressive, by the way.
0: Thank you. I appreciate it. I took a big red day and... Dude, I was pissed. I was pissed. Not because of necessarily the money. And I'll talk about that why in a second. It's not because I'm like, oh, I don't care about money. Give me a second to explain. (laughs) It's not necessarily because of the amount of money I lost. It was because of my decision making that day. Like I knew I was like, dude, you are such a better trader. than. That's what those max drawdown days are. It's not like, you know, a trade didn't work out. It's you decided to be a dumbass for a day and you hit the max drawdown. And so I was pissed and it came on a Thursday and I was up on the week and it brought me back to break even on the week. And I was like, holy shit. I just traded for like four straight days and didn't make a dime. But the reason why I said that the dollar amount didn't affect me too much is because I have my max drawdown set in place. And that was uh we talked about this on the last episode and I talked about it with you as well. The median of your last 20 uh trading days. The median green day, double that and that's your max drawdown. So I knew looking at that number, I was like, all right, you know, I can get this back in a day or two. So I was more frustrated with the stupid decisions I had made But with all that anger and all that rage and all that frustration, I was still proud of myself when I woke up the next day and I saw the number and I was like, you know what? At the end of the day, you did what you needed to do. You had your risk management in place. You had a mental blow up, but capital was still in store and that's all that matters. And then I'm happy to report that this week I had an awesome week and I cleared that number And account is back at highs. So let's go. Let's go. That's what that allows you to do. It allows you to stay in the game. That's what I was telling myself. I was like, dude, are you really gonna let like one bad day like impact your the rest of your month? You just have to. And obviously, you know, I'll, I'll let you go in a second. There have been times in my career where I didn't have that self-control and this is now a product of having gone through those times and having been able to develop that discipline there have been those times where I've had massive red days that I just when the bell rings at four o'clock I look at the number and I'm like holy shit like when risk management completely went out of the window and I wasn't able to step in and you know keep my my max daily drawdown in place and so it's a process, you know, it's a process.
1: It's funny that you bring that up about the, uh, the number itself, right. And how you have programmed in your, uh, system certain thresholds where it's like, you know what, if I cross this level in the day, I'm clearly not seeing things correctly. I'll, I'll close up shop, come back the next day. And like you said, those things are there to protect your capital, right. Is so that you don't, um, make stupid decisions over and over and over again and deplete yourself before you have the opportunity to make it back, right. When you're in your right state of mind, um, That's a great example. And so, um, I've got my own story from pretty recently. This was back in, uh, July, where, like you said, I'm, you know, I made a, uh, I made a trading mistake, not necessarily in the type of trade that I took, but the size that I took. And so I was, um, I was trying to trade micros. Anybody who trades futures knows that micros, um, are basically one tenth the size of, um, or yeah, micros are one tenth the size of a mini contract. So the E-mini S&P 500 may move like uh, it'll move fifty dollars per point. So if um, the S&P goes up one point, your position is up one uh, is up fifty dollars. Same thing on the downside. Um, if you're in one contract, right? The the uh, the minis or the micros rather are five points, right? So it's one tenth of um, the full size contracts. And so at the time, I was doing a uh, I had a uh, um, an account challenge that I was doing. And, um, I was doing my little, um, my, my, my micros so I could, you know, build up the account. Um, and ultimately I, uh, winded up going way, way, um, heavier than I anticipated. I winded up going with the minis instead of the micros. So now I'm adding basically 10 times the size that I'd initially planned. Right. And so I didn't realize this until, two seconds before the trade hit my stop loss. I saw that I was, you know, I saw that the trade wasn't going to work out and that in and of itself, again, didn't bother me. It's like, you know, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose and, you know, it is what it is. Um, I didn't over-risk on the trade. If I had taken the size that I had thought I was taking, it would have been well within my my um, my um risk parameters. It was actually half risk. It was a half uh, risk trade. So normally in that account, I think I was risking like 250 at a time. I think that trade was like 125 I was risking this um because i 10x it, i lost a thousand two hundred and fifty dollars which is 10x you know what i had planned to lose and at the time i had spent so much time building up the account that that was basically all of my profits and i was now in drawdown and i like the feeling of like um the feeling of like it's not even anger at that point i think it's more like i think i was more just like disappointed like you said where it's like dude like how can you make a mistake like that like you're like I've been doing this for like four years now. It's like, how can you buy the wrong thing? It's like that's a that's a simple like you know rookie thing. That's a rookie mistake. And um, I was just like, I was so upset with myself. And I was like, you know what? Like, if I sit here and try and make it back for the rest of the day, um, I'm gonna I'm just gonna wind up losing more money. I'm gonna blow this account. Let me just close up shop and um, I'll go back at it tomorrow. The next day comes, and this time I made another mistake. This mistake was not. Um, so the, the first mistake in terms of, you know, taking the wrong contract size, yeah, it's a rookie mistake. And it's like, you know, um, don't do that, obviously. But at the same time, like, I am i didn't beat myself up over it too much because it's like it's sort of like a freak accident that like, yeah, pay attention more. But I mean, like, what are you going to do? Um, the The next day, I actually I made an actual trading mistake. And so on this day, because I had lost so much the day before, in my mind, I'm like, well, if I just like size up, like you know, I'll, I could be able to get that back. I was, I was, I was like, I was still on tilt from the previous day. I was like, if I just like size up a little bit, like, you know, I I'll probably, get, and I was trading well at the time too. Like, that's the thing.
0: Everybody listening is having PTSD right now, by the way.
1: That's the thing, dude, is I, I was, I know <laughs> I was, um <laughs> I was trading well at the time. This was in July. So like, I was like, I was pretty hot, like coming into this mistake. Um, that's how I built up the account to be able to lose that much. And so I, um, And I say, I come in, I said, look, if I size up a little bit, I'll be fine. I'll just, I'll just size up. And if I win the trade, I'll basically be back where I was before I made this stupid mistake, right? And so I go in, I size up on a really nice setup, A plus setup, bam, lose again. So that's, (laughs) this is two days in a row now, right? So first day made a mistake, got cooked. Second day come in. This isn't, to me is like an actual, like, mistake. Cause the first one, like I said, like kind of near control, kind of not. This is pure, just like, what are you doing? Like mental mistake. And, um, like I was so down bad after that day. I took like two days off. I didn't trade for two days. I was like, this is actually terrible. I need to recalibrate, um, my mind. And exactly like, um, you said in, in your, in your story, I was really, I said, okay, I've gotten this far, you know, using an approach of, um, Taking solid risk reward setups, not oversizing, striking when the irons hot, and and really just trying to focus on A plus setups, right. And if I get back to that, ultimately I'm gonna have to do the exact same thing that I, it took me about a month to build up the account to that point, and two days to ultimately wash it out. I said I'm gonna have to go through this process again to ultimately get back to where I was. There's no other shortcut. There's no other you know oversized trade, max leverage trade that I'm that's gonna be able to get me back. It's gonna have to be. Literally doing the same thing that got me there in the first place. And so that's exactly what I did. And Ryan, if you want to throw up the tweet, like I took, it took me probably two, um, two weeks to be able to, to, to make it back. There you go. It's literally good shit. It ultimately took me two weeks of taking regular size trades, not trying to, and you can, you can actually see in the picture there, the two fat drawdowns that I took, the first one and the second one. Like it, it, it's so difficult like when you're at the bottom of that chart right there to even see the possibility of you slowly climbing your way back up right like the the ravine seems so deep at that point when you're in it the canyon seems so deep like how am I ever gonna get out of this but ultimately it really is a day by day a brick by brick type of thing and you just put your head down and you grind and ultimately one day you're gonna look up and you're gonna be exactly where you had just started only if you follow your rules I'm telling you like there's really no If I, I promise you, if at any point during that slow and steady uptrend that you see there, if I had tried to size up to make back a large chunk of what I had lost, I would have had another fat drawdown. I could promise you that. Like, there's no shortcut to be able to get yourself out of drawdown. It's painstaking. It's boring. It's frustrating at times. Um, but it's a, it's a necessary process of trading and it's a necessary uh, process of life. I think even, even a, a great example, right, is, when you make a bad trade and you know maybe you're right on the day, week, month, whatever it is. And now it's like, all right, you know, you have that mindset of, okay, just brick by brick, I'm going to put my head down and I'm going to work. I'm not going to oversize. I'm not going to do anything stupid. I'm just going to try and slowly get myself back. And then the market starts to trade in a range. The market doesn't do anything for weeks on end. Like That can be so frustrating as a trader because it's like, I all you want to do when you're in drawdown is get back, right? That's all you want to do. And that's all you're trying to focus on and the market may not be providing you that opportunity to get back as soon as you would like. And so you start to get frustrated, right? I think that that's a such a crucial moment in a, in a, in a trader's experience where it's like, you have to just let the market come to you because ultimately good things come to those who are patient, right? If you try and rush it, if you try and um, make it all back in one day, I promise you it never works out. You've got to just take it day by day, brick by brick. Um, and ultimately one day you look up and, It's a funny story that you can tell on a podcast.
0: This episode is brought to you by Elite Trader Funding. ETF is a prop trading firm. For those of you who are unaware of what a prop trading firm is, they basically provide you with capital to trade with, and your only risk is the monthly subscription fee. How it works is once you pass an evaluation account, you then become eligible for real money payouts. Now, there are a lot of prop firms out there, but ETF's customer support, the products, and the styles of evaluations they offer are unmatched. I traded and passed a 150 k evaluation account, and they were always willing to answer any questions I had along the way. I wish that I had been introduced to them when I first started trading. Thinking back to all the money I lost when I was new to the game, getting the chance to trade a large account while only risking a monthly subscription fee makes too much sense. Not to mention, if you're trying to trade a small sized account, you can develop some pretty bad habits. Trading a funded account lets you really put your skills to the test by trading more realistic size. Head to the link in the show notes to start your journey as a funded trader today. Not only is that the case when you're going through a drawdown, that's also the case when things are going well and traders make the same mistake thinking, I have you know X amount of dollars that I want to make as my profit goal, and you've been doing something that has been working for so long, and you're just steadily compounding those gains, but all of a sudden, you think that you could get there a little bit quicker. and You make that mistake of sizing up, and that's when you can really get yourself in a little bit of trouble. I want to now transition into our next point, our next topic. We're going to cover two more things here. Uh, before we wrap up the episode. The first is going to be trading your P&L and why that can be harmful. And then the last thing I want to talk about is some uh, technical analysis. But first, let's talk about trading your P&L and how that can be harmful because I think it's a good transition here. So I was recently listening to a podcast and I was listening to a proprietary trader who said that he just completely turns off his uh, P&L. And I started doing this and I think that it could be very beneficial for my trading is gonna, and is going to help me to eliminate a lot of mistakes. And I did it this week. And as I mentioned, I had a really good week, but I also just felt relaxed. I felt very, very relaxed. When you're watching every dollar uh, either move in your favor or you lose money, it's impossible to remove that emotional attachment and last week I made a couple mistakes where I was trading to my p l and I remember one day I was you know up on the day and uh, I wanted to preserve my profits and so when I entered a trade uh, I didn't let my runners really run and I stopped them out um, at my entry, which is a mistake I almost never make. You know, I, I'm very, very uh it, when I enter a trade, I exit, I'm down to runners. I really let them go until something on the on the chart tells me that I need to exit. And because I was looking at my PL and I was like, okay, I want to finish making this amount of money on the day. I exited my runners at my entry because, you know, at the time that made me happy because I saw the PL in the day and I'm like, okay, good. Those runners, had I, it never broke over my level of resistance that I needed to actually exit them at. Had I held those, that's when we had the sell off. I think it was last Thursday. That would have been like an extra 70 points that I would have made on the trade. And that was completely attributed to the fact. That i was staring at the the profit and loss number and i was just so caught up in okay let's make this amount of money let's protect this amount of money i think for me personally the way i trade if i can just focus more on the chart and focus less on every single dollar every single transaction i'm making i'm gonna be a lot more successful and again a lot more relaxed just kind of understanding you know, it is what it is. Just trade the system. Right. And that's what I did this week. And it worked out really, really well for me. And I also uh, was able to size up a little bit because, you know, I just added a few more contracts and I didn't feel like I was panicking. I didn't feel uh, that sort of tension that I would have felt had I been watching the dollar amounts. And I think that this is also going to help me to really scale up in my trading. And so if you're trading with your PL up and you're watching your PL all day, maybe try turning it off and see how it goes for you. Still understanding, of course, your risk parameters. You have to, you know, know the size you're using. I'm not saying, you know, fucking 10X and hope it works out, but you know, you still have a feel for how much you made. But get that number off your screen and see if it can maybe help your trading. Yeah.
1: I, I think the way, I think the biggest way that this manifests itself, uh, trading the p I think the biggest way that that manifests itself in a trader's actions is moving the stop loss to entry, Yeah, in my opinion. I think that's that's the biggest way because what happens is you see it go up a little bit. Let's say that you're, and I've, I've talked about this ad nauseum, so I'm not going to beat a dead horse, but you see the trade go up a little bit. You move your stop up to entry. It's not at your target yet. You were originally risking $100 to make $200. That's two R. You see it up $100 and you move your stop loss up to entry, and then it comes back down, tags your tags your entry. You get stopped out, and then it winds up running right. And, and the only reason that you move your stop up is because you saw that $100 in profit. You said, "Wow, well, you know, I would hate to I would hate to see that vanish. And if it does vanish, at least I don't want to let it go red." So let me move my stop and then go from there. Um, and I, I think that there are times when that can be beneficial. Um, if it's part of your trade plan, like what I'll do is, uh, and I, I do this all the time, is I'll have a level on the chart where over this, I'm allowed to move my stop. Until price gets to this level, my stop stays where it is. But once price gets to that level, I can move it up to entry, cut my risk in half, whatever you want to do um, It's fine. But I think that it has to be planned, right? If you let it... Um, if you just let your emotions guide you, I think that what's going to happen is you wind up moving that stop loss up too early to protect profits that really aren't even there. Um, And then you take unnecessary or you miss unnecessary gains as opposed to taking unnecessary losses. And so I think it's important because when you have, when you, when you enter a trade, you need to understand that you're risking a certain amount of money. And once you become comfortable with that level of, of money, and I, one thing I'll, I'll, I want to put a bookmark here. Cause one thing that I'm going to come back to that's helped me with that. Um, but once you're, once you accept that you're risking a certain amount of money, you, it, it really is just best to leave it alone. Like I would actually recommend just leaving the chart altogether. Like that's what I do a lot of times is like, especially if a trade's not like immediately working out, I'll just get up and leave. Cause I know that if I'm sitting there watching it, like on a five minute chart on a lower time frame chart, Every fluctuation, I'm going to be like, oh, I was wrong. Oh, did, Why did I get into this trade? You're going to be second-guessing yourself the entire time, and then you're going to wind up doing something stupid. Um, so I, I would I would recommend, honestly, just walking away at times, if you can, um, from your trade, because I think that it will help you. Like, look, set your stop loss set your take profit and just leave it, right? Um, but ultimately, the, what I wanted to come back to, the thing that's helped me out with that is risking the same dollar amount on every trade. And I think that that's something that... Um, is kind of tough to do. It's harder than I thought it, it would be, um, is risking the same dollar amount in every trade. Because for me, the way that I trade, my stop loss isn't always the same amount of points, right? So sometimes I'll get in a trade, and my stop loss is five points. Sometimes my stop loss is 10 points. It's usually not more than 10. But ultimately, if I'm gonna take a trade and risk five points, and I'm taking, for example, one ES mini contract, that's $250. But if I'm taking a trade that's 10 points and I take the same size, so I'm risking $500, right? And so having that discrepancy sometimes, if you get in a trade that's risking 10 points, maybe if it starts to not work out, you're down three points, you're down four points, that's usually what you lose. And now you're down a little bit more and you you're, you start to mentally be like, okay, this is way too much money. Risking the same amount on every trade is super important. And so literally what I did was I, I have a... um At the beginning of every single week, I'll take my account balance and I risk a certain percentage of the account balance. So whether that's 1%, 2%, whatever it is, depends on the type of account that I'm trading, I'll risk that certain percentage per trade. And what I've started to do is I literally, and I actually, I printed one out um, for this week. I still have it. I'll show you guys. I literally have a, a, um, a, a, a table, a table that'll show me per trade okay if I'm risking X you know in es here's how many contracts you should take to risk this amount of dollars if I'm taking a trade that has eight points of risk here's how many contracts you need to take to risk that same level of money that same percentage of your account I think that that's really important because having that discrepancy where you know you win two trades where you were risking five to make ten right so you risk five to make ten now you're up 10. Risk 5 to make 10. Win them. Now you're up, um, 20. If you take that next trade and you lose two trades in a row where even your, it was 2R trades, but you were risking 10 now. You're risking 10 to make 20. You lose 2 of those in a row. You're back to break even though, even though you were taking 2R trades and you're 50%. Theoretically, if you're taking 2R trades and you've hit 2 and missed 2, you should be up money. But if you're risking a different amount on the trades, you're going to ultimately wind up break even. And that's what was actually happening to me for a long time. So I printed out, I, this is, I started doing this a few months ago is um, at the beginning of every week printing at that, that table and just, so you can make sure that you're taking the same amount of contracts per time per um, trade, just to, to make sure that that risk is going to be uniform every single time. I think that that can help as well with um, moving things prematurely. Cause you know, going into the trade every single time, here's what I'm risking Um, and I'm comfortable with that. It's a number that I'm comfortable with. And so I'm, I'm less fidgety when I'm in the trade, you know, I'm, I already know what I'm, what I stand to lose if I'm wrong. So
0: I think that that can help. Yeah. And for the people listening, you got to make sure you're actually comfortable with that amount. You know, like you don't want to get pissed off. Like you have to, you know, you kind of go into the trade with the assumption that, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to lose money. Right. Like if you, if I lose money, am I going to be Okay. Um, especially like when you're new in your trading career and your consistency is no bueno, like go into every trade with the expectancy that I'm going to lose this dollar amount. And then think about it. If I lose two trades in a row, what about three? What about seven trades in a row? Am I going to be okay? Or are you only thinking about if I lose this one trade and then, you know, analyze your risk that way? Uh, the last, not to
1: cut you off, but literally I, 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 just saw something on Twitter from, um, Mark Douglas, anybody who's read trading in the zone. He's the author of that book. Great book. Highly recommend. Um, but he did like a speaking thing and, um, in there, what he said was if you're, um, and he was, he was talking about hesitating, but I think that it applies here as well. He was specifically talking about hesitating when you see your setup and you know, it's there and it's time to press the button, but you hesitate for whatever reason. He was basically saying that if you hesitate, you're assuming that you know what's going to happen next, right? If you didn't, if you, if you truly didn't know what was going to happen next, right? Which you don't, you get into, you see an opportunity that you think has a solid risk to reward. And so you get into the trade by hesitating. You're assuming that the trade's not going to work. You're assuming that you know what's going to happen, right? Or else you wouldn't hesitate. And it's really the same thing. With, um, with moving your stop, right? If you, by moving your stop, you're assuming that you know what's going to happen. You're assuming that you're not going to get to your target. And so because of that, I'm going to move my stop so I don't lose money on this trade. You're assuming that you know what's going to happen next in the market. And that's a mistake because you never know what's going to happen next, right? And so it's just when you, t- when you approach it that way that you really have no clue what's going to happen. All you can do is get into a trade with an appropriate risk, like you were talking about and, and let it go. Right. Anything else, doing any deviating from that plan in the slightest without new information, at least, is ultimately assuming that you know what's going to happen next when you don't. And so, um, if you look at it through that lens, it starts to make a little bit more sense.
0: Dude, yeah. I love that. I love that. Especially, yeah, like thinking about hesitating when you're going into a trade. Why? Why? Right. I mean, there's multiple reasons for that. You know, obviously, but I really like that point of, uh, you know, making an assumption of what you think is going to happen. Other reasons could be, you know, you're sizing up, uh, you're afraid to lose, going back what we were just talking about that, you know, are you really comfortable with losing that dollar amount? Is that what's causing you to hesitate? The last thing I want to talk about with trading p before we move on to our last topic is uh, the trailing stops and you covered it uh, a little bit briefly. When you don't look at your P L, it's a lot easier to properly trail the stop based on the structures on the chart and so if you're in a trade and the trend is continuing and you just kind of trail below that most recent swing low or you know however you want to do it it's a lot easier to do that when you haven't seen that peak dollar amount that you quote unquote were up in that trade. So let's say you're up a thousand dollars, on the trade and you start to tell yourself, okay, I need to walk away with, you know, at least 750 bucks. And so you trail your stop to that 750 bucks and then you exit the trade prematurely and you would have made two grand had you just stayed in the trend, but you were trading the PL. If you turn off your PL and you don't, you never see that thousand bucks, you have no fucking clue how much you were up. And so it's a lot easier for you to properly trail your stop. Again, trade the chart. So the final point I wanted to make there about trading the PL. The last topic that I want to cover is technical analysis related. And it's about failed patterns. And the reason I want to talk about this is because we saw this coming into this week. Last week, ES had formed a really textbook head and shoulders pattern. A lot of people were talking about it that pattern failed. This week, we had a massive rally. People, it's important to understand that technical patterns are in no way, shape, or form predictive, okay? A bull flag does not mean that we're going to rip higher. A bear flag does not mean that we're going to break down. A head and shoulders does not mean that we're going to break down. An inverse head and shoulders does not mean that we're going to break up until those patterns confirm. So, For a bull flag, that would be a breakout of the bull flag to the upside with confirmation. That is a predictive pattern. And then you can, of course, make a measured move. Same thing with the bear flag, same thing with the head and shoulders. The measured moves can be applied once those patterns actually successfully play out. But what people fail to recognize and what they don't tend to think about is what happens when these patterns don't work out. For example, last week on the 30-minute chart, If you look at the S&P futures, we had developed a textbook head and shoulders. We broke down below the neckline of that head and shoulders pattern only briefly before recovering that neckline and then sending us into a giant rally this week. So what does that tell you as a trader and how can you think about it more properly? While everybody is eyeing the head and shoulders and waiting for the breakdown, when you get that failed breakdown of the neckline, that In itself is absolutely a trade signal. If anything, it's even more powerful than the successful head and shoulders playing out because traders get trapped. Okay, so when you think about who is getting trapped, how are people positioned? It allows you to be on the right side of the trade. That head and shoulders example, when you briefly break below the neckline and then you recover it, you have to imagine that on the break of the neckline, people rush into short because the head and shoulders is breaking down, okay? Those shorts are trapped. Anybody who was long is also getting stopped out below the neckline. So when you recover that neckline level, now you have all these traders who had rushed in short playing this head and shoulders who are now trapped short and are, of course, going to have to buy back their positions, which is going to send the market higher. So that's just one example. Let's talk about a bull flag. If you see a bull flag developing, a great way to trade a bull flag is if you briefly break below the bull flag and then recover and you get a failed breakdown that way, then you could add in the bull flag for a push higher. Or if the bull flag fails, that is obviously a bearish trading signal. So while many traders will only look at the bull flag in anticipation of it breaking to the upside, when a bull flag fails, that is just as strong of a trading signal. So if you can start to think about how are people positioned, who is getting trapped, it can really, really help you to be more successful and trade those traps versus being the person who's getting trapped. So when people say technical analysis doesn't work or classical charting patterns are a load of BS, that is true in a sense because head and shoulders patterns work 50% of the time. So if you think about it, it's literally a coin flip, but... They provide super powerful trading signals, and that's all you have to look for. I don't care if it works. I don't care if it doesn't work. It's going to allow me to trade based on how are people positioned and who is getting smoked, right? Same thing with a bull flag. People say, oh, you know, bull flags only work 60% of the time. They only break out to the upside 60% of the time. Well, why are you only looking at it through one lens? I'm willing to trade that bull flag if it breaks down as well. So I can trade it to both sides. It's going to provide me with beautiful levels of support and resistance, beautiful trend lines that that bull flag is going to give me. And I'm going to be able to trade it um, in either direction based on what's going on. So thinking about TA, again, just to kind of wrap everything up here, thinking about TA in the more classical sense of what is the pattern supposed to do, and then what happens when it doesn't work that can give you some really really powerful trades
1: yeah it's like that uh, it's like that saying if you're not a profitable trader just inverse your trades <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's kind of like that right and like in a sense it makes sense right I, I, I another like trading moniker is um start putting your entries where your stop loss normally goes then something like that Obviously, it's not like literal, but I mean, at the end of the day, it kind of does make sense in the sense that most of the time when you're getting stopped out, it is on one of those traps, right? It is on, well, this is support and I'm going to put my stop below support. And if we break support, I was wrong. And they wick it below support. You get stopped out, wicks right back up, and then it rips and does what you thought it was going to do in the first place, right? Where Alejandro's saying, wait for that to happen as opposed to being the liquidity, as opposed to getting taken out at the lows. Wait for that to happen and then look for
0: your entry. Right. Don't try to predict what's going to happen. Right. Wait for it to happen and then trade it. It's going to tell you what to do. If the head and shoulders doesn't work out, if you break below the neckline, and this is the same case with all you know powerful areas of support, right? One of the favorite setups that we like to trade is a false breakdown where you take out an important level of support and then you reclaim that support wait for that to happen and then take the trade versus trying to predict what's going to happen. That's when you can really get in trouble. Trying to predict where support is going to be. Exactly. Trying to predict where we're going to bounce. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. It's just more reactive trading at the end of the day. It's a very simple fix, but it also does take a lot of patience. And it takes just an understanding for the market and understanding that the market's job is to trap as many traders as possible, right? The market basically moves in two stages. It'll rally or it'll sell off in a super clean trend, and then it's going to spend time trapping traders again, basing, creating a pattern before its next leg. Those periods of times when things are super trappy and there's consolidation, that's when a lot of people get in trouble, and they start to predict what's gonna happen next versus just simply reacting, identifying the patterns, and then as the patterns form and as the bases create themselves, finding your entries and exits based off of how things are playing out, right? So more reactive trading is the moral of the story here. Um, And looking for those failed patterns, understanding that yes, those are 100% trade signals. If something that's supposed to happen doesn't happen, Pay attention to that. It could be giving you a really good trade. For my ICT folks who
1: listen to the pod, it's basically the, um, you know, we always talk about manipulation in the market, and you know that's essentially what a false breakdown is, right? You manipulate the market below the the um, below the sell side where you take out the sell stops so X Y Z. Um, if you're not waiting for the manipulation, there's a higher probability that you're going to be part of the manipulation. Is is how I like to look at it as well, right? Is if you enter a trade without seeing manipulation first, you leave yourself subject to being part of that manipulation when it does occur, right? And it's going to occur eventually, right? Is you're going to have some sort of false breakdown, some sort of false breakout. If you're not waiting for that to get in, you might be subject to a loss when that inevitably does happen. And so that's the way that I like to look at it as well. Not to say that if you wait for the false breakdown, you'll never lose a trade. Not to say that if you wait for the false breakout, you'll never lose a trade, but you are going to increase your probability of not being um, sucked into that manipulation. If you can just stay patient and wait for it to happen and then um, strike. So yeah, I I couldn't agree more. Great points. I believe
0: the, Set up itself, the false breakdown, I believe it's called a to be buy. that's B as in boy. So if you guys want to look it up, just Google to be buy. you'll understand what we're talking about and who, 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 who calls it that? That's what it's. I'm looking at Google right now. This is something that's been around forever and it just goes to show how powerful this can be. So that'll give some clarity as to exactly what we're talking about. All right, no. This is another good episode. We covered a lot. Honestly, I think uh, I think we're ready to wrap up. What do you think?
1: You know, I think that we hit on a lot of important points. I think that um, look at the end of the day to wrap up the first two points, it really is um, about mindset. And I know that we talk about mindset a lot on the podcast, but it's such an important part of trading that it's it's so much a part of trading it's 80 percent of trading which is why it's like 80 percent of our podcast like it's it's so it's so 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 important and um you know i you just can't stress it enough that you really you you are the secret ingredient you are the secret ingredient never forget that you
0: are the dragon warrior never forget that um the secret is you so that's what we'll close with keep hammering people keep hammering we talked about things getting hard We talked about all that emotion you feel, the rage, keep hammering, channel that, do your studying, believe in yourself, and we'll see you on the next episode. See you next week, Noah, for episode 87. Yep. Thanks for tuning in. See you guys next week. Our content is intended to be used and must be used for informational purposes only. It is very important to do your own analysis before making any investment based on your own personal circumstances. You should take independent financial advice from a professional in connection with or independently research and verify any information that you find in our podcast and wish to rely upon, whether for the purpose of making an investment decision or otherwise.